Hello, welcome back to another episode of Entertaining Escapism. I'm your host, Rosarie, and I'm here coming at you from my basement. I am currently playing Minecraft, and I'm really trying to just get my mind straight. I usually record in the morning slash afternoon, but right now it's like 5 p.m., I have some stuff going on and I'm trying my best to just like get over it and not be stressed but I want to be honest it's just not working like that right now Um, so I have a crippling stress headache which I guess it's not that crippling if I can see a TV screen without dying right now but I'm stressed I have a headache I tried my best to like overcome it but It's just not happening, and I'm on a schedule. So, without further ado, today's episode is going to be about things that I have not finished, and I am choosing to leave unfinished. This is something that I had alluded to early in the season, I think I had mentioned it, Um, but I just never got around to it until now. So here we go with this episode, and I know the title is probably a little clickbaity, but it's true. Some things are better left unfinished, especially if you're not gaining anything from it. So first up on my list, The Sims 4, which sounds weird, like how can you finish The Sims 4? What I really mean is like, I quit The Sims 4 because, and the game's not technically done yet, because of the fact that they're still releasing content. There's a whole bunch of new content that I just haven't engaged with at all or interacted with. And this is simply because, which I'm not entirely sure, I should have refreshed myself about The Sims 4 when I did my um, episode on it a few months back. But basically, the first step was the fact that the game sucks. It's not finished. It's not fully fleshed out. And it's really disappointing because there are no other life simulator games that are big enough that can even match The Sims aside from other Sims games. And The Sims is developed by a multi-billion dollar company, EA. And EA is infamous for their DLC values, their standards when it comes to games. Basically, EA is known to put out a unfinished or lackluster game to sell the players downloadable content that we must pay for to enhance our experience with the game and especially when it comes to the sims they've been doing this since pretty much the start although i don't think ea developed the first sims game however over time each iteration of the sims has seen more and more expansion packs leading up to The Sims 4, which now has three different types of expansion packs with expansion, a game pack, or a stuff pack. And it's a lot of money over time. I myself, I don't know exactly how much I've invested into The Sims 4. I just know that I would only purchase expansion packs when they were on sale and if I was interested in them. And I only bought like one or two game packs and like one or two stuff packs if they were cheaper on sale, like I said. But I'm pretty confident in saying that I'm over $100 of money sunk into The Sims 4. Now... Realizing that I've spent so much money on a game that gets boring and repetitive and, you know, they keep on putting out new content, it gets stale. And I remember I made this promise to myself to just stop buying new content. 
and I would play with mods, you know, but updating mods every time you play is tedious. And, you know, I don't have Twitter anymore to be checking on people's Twitters to say when to update it. So I would have a list on my computer notes to, like, go to each website and check if I could update my mod. And it's just a lot and it got annoying. So around the time when EA announced their new, even smaller stuff packs, new content packs that we have to pay for called kits, I decided... I was done with The Sims 4, and I properly retired all my save files by like writing out the stories of all my Sims in the game because they give you a little notepad, but it's very limited. And I basically just retired the game there, you know, and that was my send-off for The Sims 4. I have since tried to get into The Sims 3 because I have fond memories of it, but I couldn't get it to run well on my computer. I use a MacBook Pro, which is probably not the best gaming laptop as I know, but I was able to run The Sims 4 kind of smoothly over the years, even though I did have some issues with my computer starting to heat up and the fan playing really loud. But alas, The Sims 4 is better left unplayed, simply because EA knows that the community is mad. Like, The Sims 4 is a very controversial game. The Sims 4 community shits on the game, like, all the time. Because of all the lackluster things of how unfinished, repetitive, dull, boring, and how many flaws and bugs are in the game to this day it would make sense that the players are mad when this is your most recent iteration of an iconic series and your billion dollar multi-billion dollar company but do not put in the time to get the product right and so basically the final decision in me saying i will just stop playing is the realization that ea has the ability to do better but they actively choose not to Partially, I believe, because they know they're going to make their money anyway. So if I stop giving them my money, and if other players stop giving them their money, then perhaps maybe, just maybe, an actual change will be made. Also, there's the fact that there is no major competition to The Sims, except for a few smaller independent projects being made that aim to be successful life simulator games. And... I'd rather wait for those to come out if I really have that craving to play a life simulator, but until then, I will play other games that I enjoy more. Like I said at the beginning of this episode, I was playing Minecraft, but I I paused it because I can't focus on more than one thing at once right now. This topic overall generally applies more to TV shows, and I actually have a few on my list. First up, I have Insecure. So I I think I'm going to just say each TV show and then I'll get into each one individually. So the TV shows I have decided to stop watching are Insecure, Grownish, The Handmaid's Tale, and Euphoria. And let's talk about why. So Insecure and Grownish are kind of in the same boat where these shows are known for the discussion that they bring up. Topics of the shows, the plots, and each character's story is kind of meant for us to talk about it. I mean, Insecure used to trend on Twitter But at the same time, I don't know what really ever trended on Twitter if your trends are customized for you and the things that you like. And I don't use Twitter anymore, but that's my example. I remember that, you know, Twitter would be a little feisty after Insecure would come out. Same for Grownish, especially because I was in college and I used to watch both of these shows with friends from college. And um, I'm no longer in college, and I'm no longer friends with a lot of these people. 
So it didn't really make sense for me to continue watching these shows on my own time without a community to discuss them with. For me personally, I just didn't enjoy the shows anymore without that element of discussion. So I've just stopped watching them. And in particular, Insecure would get a little bit triggering at times, especially with the most recent season focusing on this whole plotline of a messy friendship that's like falling apart and like, you know, when your friend's like acting weird and then there's drama. And then having to go through that in real life, it's just like, do I really want to see what I'm going through represented so harshly, especially with the Twitter crowd just straight up hating on these characters, not realizing that characters are just meant for us to understand each other and ourselves in a way that allows us to view ourselves through an external lens. But people want to act superior and just hate on characters for having flaws, even though we're all human and we all have flaws. But I found that very frustrating and I honestly just didn't have any more interest in watching Insecure or Grownish. And when it comes to the point of feeling triggered, it probably doesn't come as a surprise that I no longer watch The Handmaid's Tale. And with the show, I was first interested by The Handmaid's Tale because I had to read the book in high school for an English class. And that year that we, you know, read and did our essays and discussion about The Handmaid's Tale, it was announced that it was being produced into its show on Hulu. And so once Handmaid's Tale actually debuted and premiered, I watched it because I had read the book and it was fresh in my mind and I was interested in seeing like how it would be adapted into a TV show. And I watched The Handmaid's Tale up until season three. And if you're familiar with the material, it's highly triggering. It's a dystopian society where women are slaves and tortured and society like literally kills people and there's like religious stuff. It's like, it's really heavy and harsh. And that's the point of the show. It's to make us uncomfortable. It's to make us think about these things and how they're in our society right now, just at a very, obviously, like, lower level than that. But it's, like, a literal manifestation of a lot of metaphorical themes that happen in our society right now. And to be honest, <laughs> from what I remember, like, season three, nothing really happened. <laughs> like, it was really just a lot of violence, assault, rape, torture, killing. But the plot wasn't really moving along, and it was just more harm than it was worth and so I got to the end of the season and then I just kind of stopped caring and this was of course right before COVID delayed production as we would see with many things in our world right now a lot of entertainment things are put on hold but I almost feel like having this extended pause between seasons of shows has helped me realize what I was watching just to because Versus what I watch because I actually enjoy. And I don't get any happiness or joy out of The Handmaid's Tale. I'm, I don't really know if anybody does. And if you do, I would like to know why. <laughs> and while we're on the theme of trauma and being triggered, Euphoria is also on my list. In the similar vein of how it got delayed because of coronavirus. Jeez. <laughs> So when I first heard about Euphoria, I was apprehensive. I didn't want to watch it because I knew that it would be triggering in the sense of like having 
high school age teenagers be doing drugs and all this crazy stuff but i decided to watch it anyway because my friends were watching it and they would talk about the episodes and i wanted to know what was going on i was intrigued even though i knew it was going to be hard for me but i decided to watch it anyway and boy was it weird i will say on my first time watching euphoria i understand why people say it glamorizes a lot of heavy and gritty things and it it definitely offers you this weird sense of like euphoria <laughs> while watching it you see the glitter you hear the soundtrack everybody looks good so it kind of like tricks your brain into like enjoying it because as a piece of art you can enjoy it you know a lot of the scenes but when it comes to the overall messaging in the show it has done some harm for me personally there's a big debate or I guess controversy when it comes to euphoria and just how explicit the show is. And some people debate whether or not it's realistic for high schoolers to be in these situations. And I personally think, yeah, I've I've seen these things happen in high school. I've I've had very similar, almost exact things shown in the show happen to me as a teenager. I've been each of the characters in Euphoria, the the girls at least. Whether or not it's realistic, yeah. I mean, what do you, why do you think they're 16 and pregnant, the show? Why do you think, you know, teenagers drop out of high school all the time? The high schoolers have trauma and they have struggles that they don't know how to face and a lot of them turn into drugs. So it's not unrealistic. But the greater problem with euphoria is the overly explicitness of it and the glamorization. And by that, I mean, we do not need to see naked quote-unquote high schoolers bodies and we do not need to literally see the act of a teenager being assaulted physically or sexually i personally think that that does more harm to the viewer than anything else i should have mentioned this with the handmaid's tale but i tend to skip over very graphic violent horrible scenes it just sucks <laughs> you know when Here's this character that I find myself, I want to be attached to the characters in Euphoria because I see myself in them. But seeing them in these horrible situations, like literally being assaulted in front of my face, it's very triggering. We all have trauma from messed up things in our lives. And I don't think that seeing it happen to somebody else does any good to, for anybody. Like even if you haven't experienced this, I don't think witnessing it as a third person viewer does anything to help you empathize it's just shocking and my issue with euphoria is that it treats all of this pain as something to be longed for and i i honestly refer to euphoria as a trauma drama and once i phrased it like that i was like yeah i can't support this yeah that's my issue with euphoria and when it comes to the glamorization we have i've seen on tiktok girls are wanting to be cat who is literally being groomed and exploited for her body as an underage person un illegally. And people think this is goals. Or people put glitter on their faces because it looks pretty, not realizing the underlying artistic expression that comes from the glitter of being on drugs and everything seeming happy, but it's a fake, it's a fabricated happiness. It's manufactured. It's not genuine euphoria. It's not dopamine. It's not serotonin. It's chemicals being wild in your brain. And I don't know what I'm saying, but 
basically i have no interest in watching season two of euphoria unless it some way somehow becomes a show about healing like and i feel like that's really not realistic it's really unrealistic to try and say that like euphoria season two should be about healing because i don't know if people want that i know that viewers want drama and they want craziness they want to be on the edge of their seat with their popcorn and they want to see outrageous things because media makes us want to escape from our lives and we want to see things that are unrealistic because we don't want to go through these horrible things in our lives but i'm at a point with myself where i have to just say i don't want to see this even if it's for some sort of sick twisted fantasy of like this is what life could be if I was still a certain way. I don't have space in my life for such negative material that makes me feel the way that these shows do. For example, like Insecure and Grownish, I don't feel as negatively towards. It just kind of feels like I've outgrown them and I just don't have a place for them anymore. But when it comes to The Handmaid's Tale and Euphoria, it's just really dark and heavy and I just can't engage with that for my own pleasure and I, I start to question did I even get pleasure in the first place from these things or was it more of a feeling like I needed to watch these shows because of how gritty they were but now I just don't care <laughs> anymore I just want to be happy and like not be triggered by shows that I'm supposed to be entertained by that's where I'm currently at with entertainment what else is better left unfinished Shall we talk about artists I no longer support or listen to? <laughs> There's not many, but the few that come to mind are Little Uzi Vert. Um, this summer it came out as a story where Little Uzi Vert physically assaulted his ex-girlfriend. And I don't really remember all the details, but I do remember my disappointment at hearing this happen. You know, someone had told me about it and I was shocked. I was like, Little Uzi Vert, are you sure it's not one of these other rappers? But it was Little Uzi Vert, and once that happened, I couldn't listen to his music anymore. I did not want to support him, regardless of the fact that he's from Philly. And I used to live in Philly, so I felt a certain, like, oh, Philly guy, like, I'm in Philly. But now I'm just like, no, you abuse women, I can't support you. And I feel this way about a lot of rap music I am at a point where I'm starting to where I'm starting to understand my morals and values and I feel like a lot of us tend to think like it doesn't affect me in any way like whatever cancel culture isn't real but I feel like there's a point where it becomes important to hold people accountable and I feel like a lot of people don't even know what accountability truly even means I feel like nowadays people just think if you say, I'm holding myself accountable, that counts as accountability when it doesn't. Where is the acknowledgement of wrongdoing? Where is the acknowledgement of the harm that you have caused to others? Where is the pledge to do better in the future and to no longer participate in this behavior? That does not happen for men. It doesn't. It does not happen to celebrity superstars. And until it does, I'm choosing to not support people who do horrible things like this. And so that is why I am no longer a supporter of Little Uzi Vert, which is sad, but like, I don't care. Like, there's more music out there. There's better music. And as I said, with the whole like establishing my own morals and values, 
there is the point of like choosing what music even that I listen to. I'm starting to realize that I don't like listening to music where women are referred to as bitches and you want to talk about all the sex you have and all the money you have and all the cars you drive and the drugs you do. It's not relatable to me. And I know that the appeal of this music comes from the fact that people want to pretend that that's them when they sing the lyrics that they have all these hoes and drugs and stuff and they want to be able to party like you grew up in the trap but for me personally it doesn't appeal to me I tend to like music more that has a message that I can connect with I can relate to and that makes me feel heard and seen you know SZA was my top artist of 2017 and 2018 I believe simply because I could relate so horribly (laughs) to control and that's not to say let's glamorize or glorify toxic relationships and all these situationships and friends with benefits because I have found myself harmed by a lot of these things but at the same time I felt seen even if it was in a way that seemed to almost celebrate these toxic things because people want to sing songs about how insecure they are. It's really hard and it's very complicated, but I still love Sizz, I still support her. But yeah, and that's another thing too, so with that whole thing of the messaging behind a lot of popular music, I've definitely drifted away from hip-hop for sure, but I've also drifted away from R&B, which was my top genre for the last few years, especially while I was in college. Now that I'm drifting out of these genres, I find myself drifting more into like independent smaller artists that have the message that I align with and I definitely encourage everybody to find music that they can relate to that makes them feel good you know and I mean genuinely not in a way of like let's go party and let me pretend I have all this sex when in reality like what does that even mean who's to say that sex gives you value in this world Where did that come from? It's so damaging to young people especially, and I'm one of those people who has been damaged by these mindsets, to which I've spent so much time healing and trying to undo all of the horrible things and just be better and be happier. It's just something that I almost feel like, am I crazy? Should I just go back to enjoying surface level popular things that everybody else likes? But I don't care. Some things are better left unfinished, and some things are better left alone. (laughs) For me, at least. I'd rather not listen to another top-of-the-chart song about toxic relationships that's being glamorized and be that person who's just like, I don't care. Like, I'm completely fine with not knowing the top songs on the charts. The same way I'm completely fine no longer knowing what trends on Twitter or what's the new TikTok meme. So yeah... That's my take on the idea that some things are better left unfinished. This episode is on pace to be one of my shortest episodes, and let's talk about that. Because this is the penultimate episode of the season. You know, my plan for season one is 10 episodes, and this is episode 9, and next month is December, which would be episode 10, and a perfect place to just leave things for a while, take a break, and like, get things sorted out because as I mentioned at the beginning of this I am stressed out and I'm trying to get myself in order and get my stuff together and it's it's been a time 
And I found myself in a very reflective mood lately, even though it's November and New Year's isn't for another month and a half. I've definitely been in such a super reflective mood. So I guess I could just bring that into the podcast to say that if you're listening, if you've stuck around this whole time, thank you so much. I'm so grateful to have you. And yeah, I'm definitely trying to grow more. I definitely just have only really focused on making the episode, putting them out. And then I used to not post on Instagram until like a week later. (laughs) But now I really want to I really want to put my best into this podcast, and given the circumstances that I'm in, I've done a good job. But yeah, so given the circumstances and the crazy year we've just had, I don't know about everybody else, but I know for me this has been one of the most crazy, transformative, constant pressure and growth and change. It gets overwhelming, and sometimes I'm just like, let me do nothing for a little bit. And that's why this episode is very low effort. I'm using my phone microphone, I'm in my basement, I'm laying down. But there's a saying of, what's better, quality or quantity? And a while ago, I heard somebody answer this with, consistency is actually the most important. And I set a schedule for myself, and I really wanted to meet this date. But due to circumstances currently outside of my control, I will have to rush this episode and I will have to be okay with that. So it leaves me in a weird space. But yeah, for now, this is the penultimate episode of Entertaining Escapism. Next month, I'm going to do a reflection, another chill episode where we just kind of look back at this year's podcast, which launched in May. It's been a while. It's been like six months. But yeah, I'm excited for this next episode to just reflect, look back, see what we've learned, see anything that's come out of the podcast for anybody, especially me, the host, LOL. This podcast, I'm planning for it to shift and change in certain ways, but none of that is fully figured out yet. Just know that the current format of the podcast might not return. (laughs) So we'll see what happens later down the line. But all that to say, this is a shorter episode than normal, and I'm gonna be okay with that. And maybe going forward, we shorten it up a bit. That's it for now. This has been Entertaining Escapism. I have been Rosary. You can find me on Instagram at Entertaining Escapism. Thank you so much for listening. And that's it for this episode. See you next month. Bye.